Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. church and I love one of like the great joys of my job is I love seeing parents drop off their kids and their kids are kind of nervous at first and they're like I don't know and then they come out and this one little boy Owen who like everybody knows Owen here right Owen Barros he's so cute every single time he's kind of nervous to go in but then when he comes out and his parents come to check him out he like runs to them and you hear his deep little voice Dada! just like running to his dad just so full of joy so what a great privilege it is privilege it is that we get to celebrate family. We get to celebrate the people that we get to do life with no matter what. Their adopted family, church family, blood family. We all have people in our life that we consider family that we get to do life with. And it's so cool. So sorry for the little leg on the on the video there, but I think the point got across and it's still pretty pretty impactful. <laughs> all right, so we've been going through this series called Discover Life Change. And I don't know about you guys, but I've seen like some crazy life change happen in our church throughout the series. Amen? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a life change? Yeah, I really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's try it again. There's been some crazy life change in our church. Amen? Come on, so good. So this is our second last week in this series, which is crazy, but I'm so excited to talk to you guys today about how we can live a life of honor. How we can live a life, when we choose to live a life of honor, we can actually keep the life change going in our life. We don't have to get stuck being like, okay, I've experienced change, and now I'm stuck. But we can actually keep growing and going to the next level in our relationship with God and to the next level in our capacity to be used for God's kingdom. There's always an element of growth in our life, and we can keep growing when we choose to live this life of honor. So let's look at our key text today. If you guys have your Bibles, you can flip them open to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. So in the message version, it says, In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets. Some containers used to serve fine meals, others to take out the garbage, become the kind of container that God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. Now let's take a look at this same verse in a different version called the English Standard Version. So it says this, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So in this verse, we see that there's a key reality in our lives that we can be one of two types of vessels in God's house, in God's kingdom. We can be a vessel of honor, or we can be a vessel of, so a vessel. So let's look at those real quick and kind of get to know the difference between them. So a vessel of honor, the word honor here means respect, value, high status, worth, full potential, all the capacity can be used for a good thing. Okay, so when we think of a vessel, we think of something that can carry something, right? A bowl is a vessel, 
Tupperware jars, their vessels. So it's a vessel. It's something that can carry something from point A to point B to be used. And so when you're a vessel of honor, you're carrying value. You're carrying worth. You're carrying respect so that you can actually be used for a good thing. And so we, when we live as this type of vessel, we're living as a container that God can use for his good purposes. It's a type of container that magnifies God and can serve others. That's what it means to be a vessel of honor. Now, if we look at a vessel of dishonor, this word dishonor means disgrace, shame, unclean, or common use. So when you're living as a vessel of dishonor, you're literally carrying shame. You're carrying disgrace. You're carrying something in your life that can only be used for a common purpose. It's the type of vessel that can't magnify God and that can't be used to serve other people because this type of vessel is focused on themselves, focused on their life vessel of dishonor. And it's when we can feel like when we're stuck in the rut, like we feel like, ah, oh, there's got to be more to our life, but like nothing good can ever seem to come from my life. I can't ever seem to feel like I've reached God's purpose for me or that he can even use me. So it's this type of dishonor where we're just carrying this disgrace and this shame inside of us that's keeping us from being able to be used by God for his good purposes. And so it's important to notice here in this verse that how we live actually determines what type of vessel we are. How we live determines what type of vessel we are. What we do, what we let into our life, what we receive will determine our capacity, will de determine what we can be used for. But the cool thing about this verse is it doesn't just say you're either A or B and that's it. But it actually says, that it, the verse actually says that if we start off as a vessel of dishonor, we can actually progress and be a vessel of honor. You don't have to stay in this place where you're carrying disgrace, where you're carrying shame, where you have a small potential and you can't be used, but you can move to the place where God can use you to magnify himself, his glory, and that you can be used to serve others for their benefit. So let's see, what word shows us that we can have this potential to be a vessel of honor? We can have this potential to increase our capacity to be used by God for his good things. And it's this word here, become. In the message it says, become a vessel of honor. And so it's important to notice that there's two kind of types of verbs. There's active and passive. So a passive verb is when something is done to you, and you can't really control it, but something's done to you, or you're receiving or experience something. And an active verb is when you do something. So this is an active verb. The word become is active. You are doing something to become a vessel of honor, which means you have agency in your life to become the type of person God has called you to be, to increase your kingdom capacity and increase your ability to be used by God. In the ESV, it said, cleanse yourself. Those who cleanses himself of dishonor will be used for honor. You have to cleanse yourself. It's a role only you can play in your life. And so maybe some of you guys feel like today, well, that's super awesome. I get it. You can start as a vessel of dishonor and become a vessel of honor. That's great, but you don't get it. You haven't seen my life. I've made too many mistakes. I'm too broken. I've tried to move beyond this place where I'm at in my life, but I've failed every single time, so it's so much easier for me to just stay where I'm at, staying in 
kind of the shame and the guilt and the disgrace, doing things I know I shouldn't do, but it's just so much easier that way because every time I've tried to move forward, I've failed. And I want you to know today that that's not how God sees you. God doesn't see you as a vessel of dishonor that can't be moved and can't be changed, but he sees you with the potential, potential to change. So God's desires for us isn't that we remain stuck in this old way of life and we remain stuck carrying the shame and this disgrace that we've always carried, but his desires for us is to become the kind of container where we can actually receive from him, where we can receive his love, his goodness, his mercy, and his vision so that we can actually move forward in our life. We can change and grow, and we can be the type of person that magnifies him and serves others so that everyone can know his love. So everyone, no matter what your story is, no matter what yesterday was like, no matter what that last conversation you had with whoever, everyone sitting here today has the potential, all of you have the potential of becoming the type of vessel that God can use for his honor. Let's look at Ephesians 2 real quick. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So this is how God sees you. God sees you through the lens of Jesus. Says in Jesus, we all have this capacity to be created into this vessel that God can use for the good of others, that he can use for good works. So I want you to hear that today, no matter where you're at. God doesn't see you as this garbage can that has to stay under the sink. God sees you with the potential to become that crystal goblet that can sit in the middle of the table and everyone can be like, wow, that's amazing. You are amazing. What you do is crazy. How does God work so like, crazily in your life? You have the potential to become that, and that's how he sees you. No more trash. I like that, Andrew. Yeah, no more trash. It's good. So this is the good news. We don't have to stay living the same life, being the same person. We don't have to stay immobile in this place after God has changed us, but we can actually physically move in our life, take one step in front of the other towards change and into change. We can physically move from being in a place of living a garbage can life to being a place of living a crystal goblet type of life. So good. So this process of changing and becoming a new type of vessel is called sanctification. So there's two occasion words I kind of want to teach you today that we learn from in the Bible. There's justification and then there's sanctification, what we're talking about. So justification first is what God does in your life. It's kind of that passive verb that we were talking about. When we're receiving, God is doing something in your life. And this is a one-time event that happens at salvation. This is the moment where God looks at your record and he just wipes everything clean. Every mistake, every lie you've heard or lie you've lived by, every sin that you've made, everything that has been negative in your life, he wipes it clean as if it wasn't even there. This is a one-time event that happens when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you say, I want to do life with you. Right then, God does something in your life. He wipes your slates clean. So this is where God makes their spirits new and we become alive in Jesus. Remember that verse? We were once dead in our sins. Now we're alive in Jesus. This is God doing a work in your life just like that. Your spirit is made new and made alive. So that's justification. Justification. 
So if we can picture it, it's kind of up here, justification, the first part of a circle. And then the second word is sanctification, kind of what happens down here. And this is what you initiate in your life. This is what you do to experience life change. Sanctification can only begin after justification because we've all seen those people who live a religious life and they're trying to do all these things to be saved. That's not sanctification. That's not living in life change. They're still dealing with the pride and the anger that they've always lived with. Sanctification happens after we've been made new by Jesus, after we've been saved by grace, and now we can participate and partner with God in our day-to-day life and how we live and what we do to continue to experience life change. So this is the process where we're always going to the next level, like I was talking about, how we don't have to get stuck. We can always be going to to the next level if we choose to just live faithfully, day-to-day, applying what God has done in our life to our life and actually living it out. Philippians 2 tells us about this in chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. It says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So there's two types of work in this verse. You work out, God works in. That's this process of sanctification that we're talking about. So we have to work out. I don't know if y'all have worked out. I feel like you guys all seem pretty fit, so I'm going to guess at some point you've worked out. (laughs) Pastor Ryan, bicep curls. You know, but when you work out, and if you have a trainer with you, if you have that privilege, you know that in order for you to become fit, your trainer can't work out for you. If you actually want to get the muscles and the physique and be able to do what you want to do, go climb that mountain or scuba dive and do this crazy thing, you actually have to work out. You have to start getting in the position, doing those push-ups, squatting, bench pressing. You know, you have to get in the position to do those things so you can grow, so you can change and achieve the next level of fitness. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. So this verb, work out in the Greek, is katergazomai. Katergazomai? I'm not Greek, so I don't know how to pronounce it. But kater something another. And it's, again, it's this active verb, which means to accomplish, to imply something done in our life in thoroughness. So when we work out our salvation, when we take the practical steps to live a new life and to change our life, we're saying that, man, What God has done on the inside, I'm now living out. We're saying that how God has changed us on the inside has been thorough and complete, and it's now changing every single area of our life. It's changing our habits, how we think, how we treat other people day by day as we choose to practically apply the reality of salvation to every area of our life. We're saying that, man, Jesus has saved me. And we're living that out, and we're applying it thoroughly to our life. And so some of you may be thinking, like, super awesome, but you may not actually have to put in effort in my relationship with God. If I want to be used by God and pray for people and see them healed or be able to, I don't know, do this thing and that thing and be on the worship team, I actually have to, like, work at it. (laughs) I actually have to work? Yeah, you do. I, like, I wish I could tell you that, that living a life with Jesus is just sitting there passively and being like, okay, God, I want to be used by you, and then you get everything that you need to be used by him. I wish I could tell you that, but it's not like that. It's actually even better than that. 
So you are responsible for your own spiritual growth in your life. If you're seeking growth and you're not experiencing it, how are you not applying the salvation that's in your life to your life? So we can't expect God things to happen in our lives if we're still living like we're not saved. If we're still living like Jesus hasn't even worked in our lives. So what are some ways real quick that we can apply salvation to our life? What are some ways? Because I don't want to leave you stuck and be like, oh, I have to apply salvation. How do I do this? Ah! You do this by reading your Bible, by praying, by going to church, going to groups, sharing your faith with your coworker who's having a hard day. Go into that person and say, you know what? You've done lots of stuff in my life, but I forgive you. I don't hold that against you. This is how we can practically apply salvation in our life, by moving beyond our comfort zone and be moving beyond our old life and physically stepping into the new life, choosing to intentionally take each step and thinking each day, how can I live today reflecting the reality that Christ has saved me? that Christ has done something in my life, that I'm saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and by the cross and his crucifixion, how can I live today that will show that? So then what happens when we start to live it out, when we start to work out our salvation, we start putting in the hard work and reading our Bible, what happens? The verse says that God works in you. It is God who works in you. So when we work out God works in us. He changes our hearts. He makes us actually start to want to read our Bible. It says that he, made, he works in us to will and to act in order to, in order to fulfill his good purpose. So when we put in the hard work, God's not going to leave us high and dry, but he's going to work in us. So now that hard work becomes easier. And sharing our faith becomes easier. Getting up half an hour early to read our Bible becomes easier. Because we know that God's working in us and he's stirring that desire in us for more of him, to walk with him, to see his purpose and his capacity at work in our life. So when we work it out, we have that promise that God's going to work it in us. We're not just working to work, but we're working for God in our life. Amen? Come on. That's a good word. Okay, so in order to experience this life change and growing amounts of capacity in our life, we have to apply the work of salvation to our life. We have to live it out. We have to choose this new type of life every single day. We have to choose to say, man, I really feel like watching Netflix for like all afternoon because I'm tired. That was me on Thursday. I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm going to be super truthful to you guys. It's a rough day. But we have to think in those moments and be like, is this applying the, the, what God has done, what Jesus has done in my life? Is this actually living it out or am I starting to slip back into that old life? We have to be intentional. We have to choose it. We have to choose life change. It just doesn't happen, but you have to choose to go to the gym. You have to choose to read your Bible. You are an active agent for life change in your life. You can receive it. You can attain the next level. It's possible. You have it in you to choose. God sees it in you. He sees it in you. So there are two choices that we can make that will help us in this process of sanctification. So this first choice is to choose to focus and press forward. So a couple of summers ago, I got into my mountain biking. And if you know me now, you know I love to mountain bike in the summer. I'm out there at least once a week with my dad. We're pedaling up the mountain, just going ham. Love it. So fun. And so the first summer, I went there. <laughs> I went mountain biking. I literally rode like this. 
I was looking right where my tire was going, and I stared down every single tree that, that felt too close. I stared it down, and I was like, I'm not going to hit you, I'm not going to hit you, I'm not going to hit you, I'm not going to hit you. And then I put my, my focus right back down to what was directly in front of me. And so last summer, <laughs> my dad came, I have a really tough time taking advice from my dad. He said, sometimes he's not right, he usually is, but it's kind of that like, oh man, <laughs> I have to, <laughs> my dad just gave me advice, it's really lame. Um, <laughs> if your dad out there, keep giving your kids advice, because it works. Um, <laughs> so he gave me this advice when, last summer, because I told him on our first, on a, our first drive out there to go mountain biking. I was like, Dad, I want to go to the next level in my mountain biking this year. I want to hit jumps. I want to go through tight turns. I want to like climb tougher terrain. I want to go faster. Like, come on, I want to grow this year. So he's like, okay, cool. He didn't really say anything. And so we go, we hit the trail and I'm riding like this again, just like pedaling away, looking straight before me, staring down every single tree. I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to hit you. <laughs> just keeping to move forward. And so he stopped me. And whenever he stops me, I always get frustrated. So I have this little like, oh, oh my goodness. So he stopped me and he's like, Jesse, if you want to go to the next level in your mountain biking, you have to put your eyes up and focus forward. You have to focus on what's coming. You can't expect to live a like, or by pedal bike and mountain bike in a way that you're reacting to everything. And you're like, oh, I didn't expect that. Oh. Or, oh, shoot, there's a jump. I wasn't ready for it. You can't, you can't expect to progress that way if your focus is in the right here, right now, and how it's hard, or what you're trying to avoid. You can't live like, you can't progress that way. But he said, you're, you're going to progress when you look up and you see what's coming and you position yourself to have success. You position yourself to hit that jump. And then my timing got better. And you know what happened when I got my focus forward and not on the trees or the ground that was right in front of me? I progressed. I went to the next level. I started hitting jumps that I never thought I could hit. Whoa, I'm breaking right here. I'm going to stop. <laughs> you know, so in your life, when you choose to focus forward and see what's coming and position yourself in a way to prepare for it, you're going to see success. You're going to go to the next level. You're going to be able to do things and say things and see things that you never thought you'd ever be able to do. Because this is God's promise for us more than anything you could ever ask for or imagine. You're going to grow in ways that you never even thought you were going to grow when you just take a second, look up, and focus forward. So how do we see this playing out in the Bible? In Philippians chapter 3, how do we have a forward focus? Philippians chapter 3, 12 to 14 says, Not that I have already, so this is Paul speaking, he's like, Not that I have already obtained all this or arrived at my goal. So Paul's saying, I'm not perfect. I haven't achieved the top level. I'm not the best. So that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul's saying, I have this goal that I'm living for, and he gives us two key things that we can do to keep our focus on that goal, to keep our focus forward, to keep our focus on what God has for us. And the first thing he says is forgetting what is behind. So we have to forget the old life. We see this in the story of Israel. After hundreds of years living in slavery, defined by small capacity, abuse, 
bondage, the daily grind, having no hope. After years and years and generations and generations of this, God sent Moses to free them. And so now they were free from a life defined by bondage and all these things, yet they weren't at their promised land yet. They had to walk through the desert. And I think that's so key in our lives is just looking at that, is when we leave the old life, we don't automatically get to the highest level. But we have to go through this period, this kind of desert season of having to choose, choose to obey and to practically apply what God tells us to, how to live in relationship and honor him and praise him even in the hard times. So you see in the story of Israel, they were free, but they weren't at their full potential. They had this desert journey where they had to choose to obey. They had to choose every step of the way to say, okay, God, I'm living for you. Okay, God, I'm following that cloud by day and that fire by night. I'm choosing to set my eyes on you and to go towards that promised land, that full potential that you've told us about. But we see in their story that they went from having a forward focus to this downward focus a focus where they just reacted to their immediate day-to-day life, a focus on the right here and right now and how hard it was and how they didn't want to go forward, how tired they were. And we see this in Exodus chapter 16, that in the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. So a journey that could have taken days for them in the desert took years because they stopped having a forward focus and they started focusing on the day-to-day, the here and now, and how hard it was. How they may not have been free back there in the old life, but at least they were comfortable. And I think this is where it can be so easy for us to get stuck in this process of sanctification, to get stuck in experiencing these next levels of growth because we get to the day-to-day and it's hard and we actually have to actively choose it and be intentional. And it can be so easy for us to say, man, the old life I wasn't free, but at least I was comfortable. I may have been in an abusive relationship, but at least I had someone to do life with. I may have lied to everyone, but at least I never got in trouble, or at least I never had to go and tell them, hey, I was wrong. I could feed my pride and my ego. I was comfortable. I may have partied too much, but at least I had tons of friends. I may not have been free, but at least I was comfortable. So having this forward focus means that we have to choose to forget the old life, forgetting what is behind. It's not even a possibility to go back there anymore. It's not even a thing that we consider in our life or a possibility that we can live in, but we're focusing forward. We're focusing on God's promises, on the potential, on the promise. And that's the next, the next point that we have. In order to have this forward focus, we need to be focusing on God's promises. We need to be focusing on the full potential that he has shown us in his word. It says, straining towards what is ahead. So it's not an aimless wandering or an aimless work, but it's intentional. You're saying, I'm working towards a goal. I'm working towards God's promises. I know exactly where I want to go in my life. I know exactly what God wants to do in my life because I know his promises. So we have to shift our focus from this old life and on to this forward focus of God's promises. I call this living for God's wills. He taught me this a few months back where we all, we kind of think, okay, what's the one will? What's God's will for my life? I honestly don't know if it's one, but it's all of his wills. It's all of his promises. That's what he has for your life. 
So that's when you can do the work of drawing near to God, and he will draw near to you. Don't be anxious about today because God will provide for all your needs where we can put the hard work in knowing that God's promises are coming. We have a specific goal, a specific target that we're aiming to achieve because we, and we know it's going to happen because it's God's promises. If they had just stopped focusing on the here and now in their old life and focused on, man, God has promised this land flowing with milk and honey. I know that's coming after this de- desert journey. I know that what I'm choosing to do today is going to bring me towards that. I bet you they could have made it way quicker than they would have. <laughs> they didn't make it, but it took them a long time. Okay, so I don't, I don't want you guys to live that life where you're working towards promises, God's promises, but it takes so long and you get so stuck because you're looking at the old life. You're thinking, wow, at least it was comfortable. But you're focusing on God's promises. You're saying, that's what I'm working towards. That's what I'm choosing to live for today. And we have to remember, too, that we're not just striving for an earthly prize. We're not just striving for the here and now, for having that one experience 20 years down the road, where you can have your own church like Pastor Ryan. You're not, you know, you're not just straining towards that goal. You're not just straining towards that one. <laughs> you're not just straining towards that, that promotion or having your own business. No, but you're straining for an eternal prize that eternal life with Jesus for eternity in the presence of God where you get to, on the day you die, on the day that Jesus returns, you get to stand before him and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and enter the place I've prepared for you. I've got a place for you here. You don't have to wait anymore. You don't have to struggle anymore. You're in the promised land. This is your full potential. Come and enter it. I've got this for you. So we're not just living to experience God's goodness now, but we're living for an eternal prize, an eternal goal that goes beyond the here and now, that goes beyond the struggles in our life, but is actually eternal. It's eternity. And so then what, the other thing that we have to do to have this forward focus in our lives is we have to remind ourselves and each other what Christ has done in our life. What does Paul say? He says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. So he's saying, I'm working towards this goal, this reason why Jesus came into my life, why Jesus took hold of my life, what he's done in my life, I'm working towards that goal. I'm living so I can receive what Jesus wants for me. So we have to remind ourselves and remember what Christ has done for our, in our lives, why Jesus Christ took hold of me. So we have to remember that he died for us. He fought death for us. He rose for us. He did all these things not so we could continue living a garbage can life, but he did this so that we can experience life change. He did this so that we can experience the next level of growth uh, to increase our capacity of receiving an intimate, intimate relationship with God and serving others out of that intimate relationship with God. We've got to remember why Jesus died for us. That he died for us, not for a garbage can life carrying shame and disgrace. He died for us so that we could live a life of purpose, of freedom, receiving God's love and giving God's love freely, a life where we can, we're experiencing more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's why Jesus Christ died for us. We always have to remember that Christ died for me. We have to value that. We have to apply that truth in our life. We have to live it out. 
So this first focus on how that can keep us unstuck or keeping us going forward and achieving this next level of growth is to have a forward focus and to press on. You gotta keep choosing it and working for it. You gotta press against the hard stuff of today and saying, I'm still gonna choose a life with Jesus because I know what's coming. I know when I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. You gotta choose to have that focus, a forward focus and to press on. The second choice we have to make is we have to choose to be moldable. We have to choose to surrender our old life to God so he can mold us into something new, into something that's not broken, into something that can have an even larger capacity than the old life ever had. Ephesians 4 verse 12 says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this word equip here, it's a word that means to be adjusted, to be made perfect, and to be returned to its, your original purpose, the way that you function best. You're kind of getting readjusted and realigned to that life. And so I want you to know that doing life with Jesus and increasing your capacity is more than just receiving gifts, talents, it's more than just receiving what God wants to give you so you can do something, but it's actually about changing who you are. It's about remolding you, realigning you, putting you back into the way that things work best so that your relationship with God isn't hindered. And so then when you go out from this relationship with God, you're not being hindered. You're going out in truth. You're going out from the inside out. It's an inside-out change. So God wants to change who you are on the inside so you can begin to live it out in your life. So picture this. In Jeremiah chapter 18, 1 to 4, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So I, Jeremiah, did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. And it's so important to, to realize that pottery in the ancient, ancient world was, like, it was essential. It was so important. They preserved food in pottery. They gave gifts in pottery. They held water in pottery. So if, a pot, if something didn't turn out the way it was supposed to, or if, or if a piece of pottery had a crack in it, they couldn't actually use it. Now their food's going bad. Now they're losing their water. So it's an essential part of functioning in life for them. And so when people have a vessel that was broken, I don't know if you guys can see the cracks in there, but when they have a vessel that's broken, what they do is they take wax and they put wax and fill the crack and they paint over it to make it seem genuine, to make it seem like it can actually fulfill the purpose that somebody may want to buy it for. And so what, what would happen is that when these people would buy these pieces of pottery, pottery and take it home, and then they put water in it or whatever, and all of a sudden it starts leaking. They're like, what the heck? I thought this was genuine. I thought this could hold water, and I thought this could work for the purpose that I bought it for. And so then they started getting smart. <laughs> so what happened was when they were buying pottery, they would hold it up to the light, and they would hold it up so they could see the cracks because wax is less dense than clay, right? Okay, I barely passed high school, but I know that. Um, so, 
we can tell when there's a crack when we hold it up to, up to the light because the, the light will stream through the crack. It'll stream through the wax. So they, so they know, okay, this, this vessel isn't going to fulfill the purpose why I bought it, so I'm just going to leave it. So that's what people may do in your life. They may look at you, pick you up, check you out, but then notice that you're broken, and then they'll just put you back and then walk away, being like, no, you can't fulfill the purpose in my life that I want. You can't be the friend I need you to be. You can't be that employee I want you to be. You can't be the boss I want you to be because you're broken and you're negative all the time and it's affecting me. But what Jesus done, when he comes into this pottery shop, what Jesus does is he comes and he looks at the pottery. He holds it up to the light. He's like, notices the brokenness. He notices the crack. He's like, perfect. It's broken. Because Jesus just doesn't see the broken vessel. And he doesn't say, okay, it can't be used for my purposes. But Jesus actually sees this pottery to have the potential. It sees the potential of it being a piece of pottery that could fulfill his purpose. And so when we, when we let Jesus take us off the shelf, and when we start, stop hiding our brokenness to Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus, here I am. I'm broken. I've made this mistake. I believe this lie about myself. I don't feel like I can be used for your purpose. And when we stop hiding our mistakes and our flaws, and we invite Jesus to come and to fix them, you know what he does? He breaks it. He breaks your old life off. That guard was supposed to protect all the pottery from going everywhere, but it didn't. Um, he breaks your old life off. So being broken isn't even a factor anymore. Your brokenness, your old life, he doesn't even see it. But he doesn't just leave you broken and shattered. But he'll bend down. He bends down and he picks up all these pieces in your life. One by one, he picks up all the pieces until he's got all of them, all the pieces on the carpet, the green turf, all the pieces over here. He picks them up and he takes them and he heats them up and so it becomes clay again and he starts to remold you and to shape you. So I want you to know that when Jesus looks at you, your brokenness isn't even a factor for your capacity and your capability to be used by him. But instead, he's just asking you, hey, let me come in. Let me break the old life off. Stop letting your brokenness limit you. But let me put you in a situation. Let me heat you up with my presence. Let me just work on you for a minute. Let me start to remold you, to shape you, so that you can actually become a vessel of honor so that you can become the type of vessel, the type of person that can magnify God and can serve others, experiencing more than anything you could ever ask for or imagine. But we have to choose it. God's not going to force us off the shelf. God's not going to force pride or sin or old habits out of our life. We have to choose the new life. We have to actively live every single day choosing to invite Jesus into our brokenness and to allow him to mold us because we're not focusing on the here now, on the struggles of today, but we're focusing forward on the promises, on a life of full potential. So why don't you guys stand with me today? We're just going to close our eyes and we're just going to pray for a minute. I don't know if some of you guys are here today and you've kind of felt stuck in your relationship with Jesus. If you felt stuck, not being able to grow or to move to the next level because you found yourself caught in this old life and kind of you're feeling the uncomfortableness or the uncomfortable reality of having to work out your salvation and it takes work and effort. And maybe you've chosen for a little bit to look at the old life and go, 
man, I may not have been free, but at least I was comfortable. And if you're here today, and if that resonates with you and you feel that, I want you to hear this, that God does not see you according to your brokenness. God sees you according to your full potential. And you can choose today to forget the old life and to press on towards the goal for which Christ has taken hold of you. You can live for the reason that Christ died for you. You can live a new life. All it takes is just making that resolve and choosing today to say, I'm going to forget the old life and I'm going to press on and strain forward for God's promises for full potential. So if that's you today, if you've experienced a life-giving relationship with Jesus, but you've just felt stuck, I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you by name. I just want to know who I'm praying for. So on the count of three, you can raise your hand. One, don't be afraid. This is a moment between you and God. Two, three. Awesome. Thanks, guys. It's amazing. Come on. That's awesome. Come on, guys. God sees you today, and God's going to work in your life. He's seen your decision. He says, okay, I can work with that. I can work with a person who wants me. So let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, I just pray for these two individuals that raise their hand, God, who may feel stuck in their relationship with you as if they can't move forward because they focused on the old life and they've, they've chosen comfort over your presence, God. And I just pray, God, that you just fill them with hope and joy today knowing that when they choose you, you will come to them. You will work in their life, God. So I pray for fresh boldness and fresh courage and fresh strength, God, to apply the truth of the cross to their life, to choose to read their Bible and to pray and to share their faith and go to groups knowing that it's not in vain, but knowing that they're going to receive your presence. They're going to receive your promises. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you just fill their hearts and fill their spirits right now with a fresh resolve to seek you with a fresh commitment to forget the old life and to strain forward to the full potential for which you've created them, that they will see themselves the way you do, not as broken vessels, not as a garbage can life, but people who have potential, people who can change and to grow. So we thank you so much for who you are, God, and what you've done in our lives so that we can experience freedom and growth and continue growing to the next level in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.